Stunt Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Matthew, and I'm coming back with another Scent Spotlight here on the Scent Podcast. My guest this week is the writer Thomas Daniel Dillon, aka Epic Dillon on Scent. I'm really excited to share the conversation that Dylan and I had where we talked about all things writing. Of course, we touched on his novel that he's been publishing in installments on Scent, entitled Murder in Silicon Hills. But we also get into his first work, a philosophical work with the title of Formal Dialectics. And we use that to pivot into a conversation that dives into philosophy and what philosophy means now in the life of of Dylan. And then we talk about scent and the philosophical underpinnings and game theoretic principles that underlie this amazing site of ours that has brought the two of us together to talk uh, in this really, really interesting conversation that I enjoyed and I really hope a lot of other people enjoy as much as I did. So without further ado, please enjoy the conversation that I had with Epic Dylan. Okay, we're live. This is Matthew, and I'm back with another Scent Spotlight here on the Scent Podcast. Today, I'm really happy to be speaking with a writer. I know on the Scent Spotlight, we've had a lot of artists that we've featured, and on Scent, there's also a really nice handful of really special writers, and I'm happy to be speaking with one of them today. My guest today is Epic Dylan. So welcome to the Scent Spotlight. Hey, thank you, Matthew. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be on the show with you. It's been a long time coming. I know I sent the feeler out, I think, back in January or February after I first came across your writing on scent. Uh, and then it's just been like a work in progress, getting times aligned. And this week, the stars all, all crossed at the same time so we could schedule this today. So really happy to have you here. If you wanted to get into introducing yourself to everyone that's listening. I think that would be a great way to get started. Hey, by all means. Okay, so my scent handle is um, at Epic Dylan, and you can follow me. You'll see that I'm working on a on a full-length novel release on scent, which I, actually I think, Matthew, may have something to do with how we started talking about doing this podcast um, together. It's been a long project. I, I think there have been 44 chapters thus far, so I've been doing it for 22 weeks. I think we've got about three chapters and then an epilogue left. Uh, so it's going to be really nice to kind of kind of get that um, in the rearview mirror, so to speak. Um, but professionally, I actually am something of a philosopher. I, I started off as, a, uh, as basically a philosophy teacher. I wanted to go to PhD school. Didn't end up working out for me. So, so I actually uh, have done quite a few other things since then, one of which is, uh, is writing, you know, and, and I'm a new writer. I'm... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of coming up, so to speak, on, on the internet to some extent. My, my first book was actually just a straight-up philosophy book. Um, it was called Formal Dialectics, and, and in it, I, I tried to do some innovative stuff with uh, postmodern philosophy. And, and anyway, so, so moving on from there, I've actually done a collection of short stories and then like kind of a, kind of a variety book called Bring Back Satire, and then obviously the, the novel – uh, a murder in the Silicon Hills, which is available to everyone who's on scent to just read for free. Um, and, and so there's a couple more chapters there, but, but that'll be up and uh, I'll be moving on to different things and different projects. Um, there, there's a, 
a, a new project starting to form um, that involves me um, using crypto. Uh, I believe Puffin is getting in now too. And, the, and then um, I don't use a pick. Um, and, and so what we're thinking about doing is putting together something like a literature magazine or a literary magazine um, where basically what we would do is work with uh, different crypto creators. Um, some would be writers, some would be artists. Um, there's talk of even getting musicians involved to some extent. Um, and, and the thought is that what we would do is we would mint an NFT with some unique work and then that would link to um, the magazine you know, um, and, and so you'd have access for like 30 days and then the magazine would go public, uh, via medium or, or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever technology platform we end up using probably also on scent. Um, just as thank you to the network for, for bringing us all in. We'll probably do most of most everything that we do will probably be available on scent in one way or another. So, uh, yeah, that, that's me. That's kind of what I've done in the past. That's kind of what's happening right now. It's awesome. And like you mentioned that your novel that you've been publishing chapter by chapter on scent, uh, a murder in Silicon Hills, that is what drew me to you and, and put you on my radar because you're writing. It's you don't come across fiction writing all the time on scent. Like myself, I'm not a fiction writer. I tried to dabble in it. Just, I don't have that, that bone in my body. Unfortunately, I love to read it. So when I came across your writing, it was like a breath of fresh air. It was, it was a pleasure to, to get into the novel and to be able to, to read until this point. It's awesome that it's coming to an end so you can focus on other stuff too. But I'm curious. So like, when did your writing journey start? I know like, it seems like you're really doubling down uh, and you called yourself like a new writer now. But like, when you were younger, did you have a passion for writing? Did you have a blog or anything like that? Like, when did your actual writing journey start? Oh man, yeah, it's it's been a long time. Uh, I, I think the first thing I ever wrote was a novel about like a Tyrannosaurus Rex going into space that was like seven pages long <laughs> when I was like maybe twelve. <laughs> yes, bring uh, that out. On, uh, Put that on Crypto's podcast, <laughs> uh, the window. Yeah, and he, he asked me like, you know, hey, like, so are we going to see like a revamped version of that? Like, <laughs> I want to see the dinosaur <laughs> in space. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, Sadly, I haven't completed that little project yet. But um, since then, it's been kind of a long and complicated journey. You know, I mean, my my, you know, you say that fiction may not be a bone that you have in your body, and and well, I, I I tend to kind of agree. Like I, I almost kind of feel the same way in some sense because what what I started with, you know, when I realized I could write was was when I uh, was writing essays. You know, that was the the, uh, the thing back in high school. I, I actually won a competition my senior year as part of Academic Decathlon. I wrote a perfect essay. <laughs> so, so that was kind of the first feather in my cap where I was like, wait, you know, like maybe this is uh, something I could kind of do. And then obviously, you know, getting a philosophy degree and then a master's in philosophy, I had to, had to write all the time. So there was quite a bit involved uh, with that as well. Um, the fiction is a little bit like yoga though. I mean, it's, it's tough to write. Like the, the goal is to get into the characters heads and, and, and try to figure out what they would actually do and then put them in these ridiculous situations and just let them act it out. And uh, it's definitely not the easiest uh, creative flex uh, to, to perform, so to speak. I'm not sure that I want to do much more with it, but I don't know. Writing short stories is kind of a, kind of a fun little, pastime for me you know 
Yeah, you kind of touched on it, but the process behind putting together a full novel, I think a lot of people at one point in their life, you hear it all the time where people say they want to write a novel and they never end up finishing it. You're almost at that end point with Murder in Silicon Hills. What has your process been to kind of put everything together, to storyboard the characters and put them through these the scenarios that they find themselves in throughout the story? Like, how did you conceive of it and uh, start to execute it? Well, I mean, so, so the reason that I started the novel was because I, I thought that a novel might sell better than a philosophy book and better than a collection of short stories. It's just a unit. It's just out there. You know, people don't have to know anything else. They can just come pick it up and read it, you know. Um, and, and I decided to write uh, formal dialectics back in the day because I just had to. You know, there, there was sort of this calling that I felt. Um, and I, I remember years and years ago, I was talking to a guy about it in the bar <laughs> over like a drink. And it's just like some random person. And yeah, I, I kind of explained the core concept to him. And he was like, oh, that sounds amazing. You should definitely write a book about it. So I had to. <laughs> <You know what laughs> I mean? uh, and anyway, about five years later, the project was finished. And I thought, man, that was a lot of work. You know, it was tough to do. Um, a lot of the concepts I'm pretty proud of, I'm pretty serious about. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the thing is that, that you know, uh, it's tough to sell copies of that book because I'm not teaching and I'm not really, you know, somebody whose name people already know. So they're not like, oh, we, we got to go pick up a new Thomas Dylan Daniel book. You know, it's more like, uh, who's this guy, you know, and, and, and there's a couple of people who've, who've read it, who've really enjoyed it, which is wonderful to me. I mean, being able to pass the peer review felt like getting a PhD, which I still haven't done. Um, but basically the logical continuation, once you've figured out the skill, you know, of how to put a whole book together, you know, and you've done something really hard. I mean, it's just something you can kind of do now. You know, so, so I spent about a month in January of 2018. I, I started a tech company that failed and I knew it was going to fail starting in about January and uh, did some things to kind of distance myself from it. One of those things was to, to kind of, uh, you know, turn the creative, uh, you know, cannon back on and, and just jump into novel land and just, uh, just hammer that out. And it came through a little rough and it wasn't as easy to sell as I was hoping it would be. Um, so it sat for a while and then I actually picked it up and rewrote it and released it on scene. And so that's kind of the, the, the long and the short of the, of the story there. Um, I, I think, you know, the idea for it was basically, you know, I wanted to tell the story of my company had it been successful and, you know, still, uh, I mean, I think 90% of startups fail within the first year. And the vast majority of those cases are actually issues between the co-founders. Um, so me and my co-founder actually got into it and, and we just weren't the right people to start a successful company together, you know? And so I wanted to tell sort of this dramatic, like over the top story where, you know, uh, not to give anything away, but you know, this is already kind of out there on scent. So, <laughs> you know, one, one co-founder actually kills the other co-founder in the story. And, and so it's just this intensely like personal um, connection to it that I felt um, sort of in creating it and then, you know, kind of, kind of building it back up a little bit later on. 
And, and man, I mean, really and truly, like there, there's a, there's kind of a moral truth there, which is that you just, you have to be able to move past that sort of fallout for, for, you know, success to be what comes from it. So, you know, it's just kind of a, kind of a cool way to walk people through a little bit of technology, a little bit of startup culture, a little bit of what that whole entrepreneurial life is in sort of the context of this, this murder mystery, you know, that's, that's going on. It's kind of like a, a Hardy Boys story or something. I used to read those all the time when I was a kid. So I think when I started off, that was the structure. But I didn't storyboard a damn thing. I, I sat down and wrote from end to end in about a month and just chapter after chapter and you know, slugged it out. And then uh, once it was slugged out, I came back and cleaned it up. That was about it. That's cool. It definitely sounds like a, a nice cathartic exercise too uh, after wrapping up a, a startup or an experience like that, <laughs> killing your your co-founder in the novel or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I wish it wrapped up into that need of a little package. But <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, that's, that's gnarly. All right. I, I hadn't really thought of it in, in those terms. but like um obviously you're super widely read uh, having been a philosophy major uh, at the undergraduate and graduate level i'm sure you've read your your fair share of books in your lifetime too are there any particular writers or authors that have deeply influenced you and inspired you to kind of just write in general uh, but then maybe write in, in a certain particular style it'd be interesting to hear that tell of your the inspiration of other writers on you certainly yeah I, I think um my top three influences in terms of fiction are uh and and this is probably a bad thing from an artistic standpoint but but uh chuck polinick um albert camus the french philosopher and uh and charles bukowski because i mean they, they all have sort of this minimalist style that focuses more on the plot and pushing the plot forward than it does on, uh, you, you know, I mean, there are no like, you know, sunrise colored lilacs, you know, in any of these stories, it's, it's very cut and dry. It's very, yeah, dry prose, I would say. And, and, and I think, I think sometimes people pick up things that I've written and they, and they look at it and they think, well, you know, like this guy's telling this story, but at the same time, it's kind of tough to connect with because, you know, we're not getting the visceral, you know, sort of uh, sensation of what it was like to be that person in that moment. Um, and, and I think of it as sort of a minimalism that's kind of crept in because these other guys just have these ways of uh, delivering meaning uh, without all of the adjectives. And, and, and I find that to be a very... Uh, sort of appealing style uh, if I'm going to sit down and read probably because I like the philosophy so much <laughs> I mean if we're being real about it and then well on philosophy I'm curious to hear for someone that's pursued that in terms of studies and then writing that work that took you five years to publish like what is philosophy what does it mean to you and all of that time and effort that you spent studying it and like living in it where is that now in your life oh what a question that's phenomenal thank you for asking me really um wow yeah 
Yeah. What is philosophy? That's, that's a question that I, I was recently asked by my niece Harper. Um, I, I told her what I studied and, and she said, well, what is philosophy? And I gave her kind of a short answer that didn't really satisfy her curiosity or my desire to answer the question. But, you know, uh, 10 year old attention spans being what they are, you got to kind of keep things short. And so I, I decided I'm, I'm going to write a medium piece and I'm going to say, what is philosophy? I'm going to take it apart. And then, you know, a thousand words, try to try to really break the concept down. Um, but, but I would say, you know, at the end of the day, philosophy kind of boils down to just being the art of looking for knowledge in places where people don't typically look for knowledge. Because technically, if you go out and you do a physics experiment, what you're doing is philosophical. Um, anytime you ask a question, why? You know, like, uh, why is DNA structured as a double helix, right? Could be a philosophical question at the end of the day, but there's arisen this empirical sort of uh, discipline to answer questions like that. We call it biology, right? And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I would say that, that all of science is still in one way or another sort of indebted to philosophy just for, you know, the simple reason that, that you don't, you don't ask questions that give birth to sciences without doing some philosophy first. <laughs> um, now where that's left me in my life, <laughs> I, I, I suppose, um, I suppose I, I have a little bit of internal conflict on that matter because I, I, I really felt like um, it, it was leading me to do some great things and I would be well supported um, by various institutions that were important you know, perhaps companies and so on and so forth. And, and in fact, I, I would say that, that where it's left me in my life is, is I'm the guy that asks the uncomfortable questions around everyone. And, and as a result, I, I don't necessarily have the, the popularity that I might have if, if I wasn't so committed to, uh, to doing such things. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I do think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to a bunch of science classes online right now to, to go back and, and do medical school um, so that maybe one day I can come back into biotech and, and be more of a more of a go getter uh, with a little more credibility. Uh, and, and so I would say long term, you know, like the, the whole thing is if, if you do some philosophy and you figure it out and you're able to be open with it and discuss all sides of a given argument then you're really someone who is uh, set up uh, very well to uh, be in a position to go, go do what you want in the world. You know, I mean, deciding what you want to do is hard. <laughs> um, but, you know, when it comes to actually, you know, committing to a, a course of action and, and pursuing that, then, then I think philosophy really does prepare you uh, to, to figure out what that course of action is. And then also to, to execute on it and to bring it about. So I, I think it's, it's a good thing. You know, it's, it's a skill. It's, it's a thing you pick up that never leaves you, that, that leads you to think a little more critically and a little more deeply. And at the end of the day as Americans, you know, I mean, I, I just, I think we could all use a little bit more of that. So hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just more thinking and then considering all of the angles, all of the potential implications again, like being more thoughtful is something that everyone, I think it would just make the world so much better. <laughs> if everyone could just be a little bit more thoughtful, think a little bit more 
segueing into scent, finding a community like of thoughtful folks who are, are really, it, it, a lot of people try to think a lot and share to me, like that's what being thoughtful is. And that's such a value add to the entire community. And that's what initially attracted me to scent and kept me here. And it seems like a lot of other folks are like in the same, same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, I am so one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, tell me about your scent experience, like how you, how you found the site after you found it, like you, that initial moment where you're like, Oh, this is, this is something different and awesome. And yeah, just tell me about that. Oh man. Um, this is a hell of a story. I, I started hanging out with some guys back in about 2016, maybe late 2015. And, and basically what it was, was this, this one guy, uh, this total blockchain nerd, his name is Josh Quintana. Awesome dude. Great friend of mine. Um, he started this group and, and it was called think tank Thursdays and there were no rules. It was just, we were going to talk about ideas and we were going to drink a couple beers and hang out together. And, and that was it. It was, it was a meetup. And, and anyway, so it was, yeah, for for years I went and hung out with, with these guys and, and it turned out there were there were only about four of us that were really committed. And and we still hang out, we're still friends, you know, uh to this day, you know. And and basically one of one of these guys, uh Josh, had had actually uh he sent uh to the Slack channel that we use to kind of share articles and you know, keep in touch and everything. Um at the think tank group, you know, he, he sent an article that said Ethereum blockchain use cases. And, uh, and it was just a link to sent. And, and I just looked at it and I went, huh. And I clicked on it and I went there and I like signed up and, and shared like one thing, you know? And, and I think I got like several reactions to the first fucking thing I shared. And so I, I think it may have been you. Somebody, somebody just said like, here's, here's a few bucks, you know, like go have fun. <laughs> and, and I was, I was just hooked from that moment on. I was like, wow, like this is really amazing. And it kind of started this cascade of, uh, of basically me being kind of creative and, and getting some support from the community, which I mean, you never hear about that on Facebook. That's not how any of that stuff works. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's all about trying to be the loudest in a, in a crowded room full of people shouting, you know, and, and that's not really, you know, that's, that's not anybody's outlet to be creative. You know, we all have like our 10 or 15 people that, you know, that we like all their stuff and they like all our stuff. And, and that's, that's kind of what Facebook really is at the end of the day for, for most of us, you know, that's what Twitter is too. Um, and, and so just to, to be exposed to such a large audience where, where there was the potential for, for something I wrote to actually sort of resonate with somebody. I mean, it was incredible. It's really similar to, to mine. Um, and like I started as a user 2017, like uh, October, November. And I just remember hopping on. And at that time, it was the site was more of like a crypto Quora play. So it was like questions. Um, they put a bounty on the question. And then people would uh, respond and fight for, for the bounty uh, to, to be the best uh, replier. And I remember when I hopped on, I was like, oh, this is crazy and i try to give my like super thoughtful responses and i remember the first user like total random user they're no longer on scent uh, after that but they just tipped me and i was like whoa 
<laughs> like that is a very different and they weren't on the team or anything like that. It was just like a very, very different sort of thing that, like you said, you don't see on any of the other social networks or anything like that. And right. it's just been that core of, of, of very, a lot of sincere users who are very thoughtful and very generous who really do take the time to, to look for good content and reward it and share it. That has just, it's fed my engine for like being passionate for life and wanting to do better and grow and like all these other, other things. It's just an incredible site. Like I get, I'm on the team. So like, yeah, I'm definitely drinking the Kool-Aid, but coming to the project as a, <laughs> as a user first, I feel like I can say this. Um, no, as a philosopher, man, I, I think there's got to be something to this idea that, that having a vested interest in the way the conversation goes. I mean, yeah, I mean, Jaron Lanier, or I guess Lanier, uh, are you familiar with his work? He's a technologist, uh, philosopher type of dude, and he writes books like, uh, like Who Owns the Future and You Are Not a Gadget. Like, are you familiar with him at all? No, no, I'm not. I'm writing it down though. Oh, dude, he's he's incredible. He's my favorite uh, favorite technological um, philosopher. And if you ever listens to this, shout out to you, bro. Like, <laughs> but but anyway, so 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 he um he makes this argument where um, anonymity on social networks um, to sort of this chaos and this. Oh no! What happens to your mic? Yeah. Can you hear me now? <laughs> uh yeah, yeah yeah perfect all right but yeah so so jaron lanier makes this argument that, that anonymity in social media just leads people to be bastards to one another and and i actually think that the scent network is a refutation of that argument and and i think it shows that having you know i mean like well, let me just ask you, how, how many times have you cashed out your, your cent Ethereum stash and taken it to the grocery store and bought groceries with the money? Me, me personally, never. Neither have I. Nobody I've ever talked to has ever done that. There's exactly. been a couple users who've, who've done it, like who are coming from, I mean, they have financial situations that preclude them from just respending it on cent. Um, but yeah, those are definitely minority uh, examples. Most people just constantly reinvest it in the platform. Well, and so there's this incentive, you know, it's, um, it's monetary, but it isn't tied to all the other systems that, that we generally think of um, when we think of money. You know, I mean, people aren't paying their rent yet with Cent. I know that's the goal, um, but, but we're not there yet. Um, and, and, and so there's, for most of us, there's this weird phenomenon where you are anonymous and you're put on this network and you have all the incentive in the world to be completely nice to everybody because you want everybody to be your friend because everybody's a potential seeder. You don't, you don't know who, who is and who isn't, right? So, so the, the goal um, from the standpoint of like game theory has to be um, just be nice to everybody. And it works. It works so well. The people that are that are present and that are engaged are, are just fascinating people, uh, you know, and, and, and time after time you hear this story where, where, you know, somebody's a new user and they just have this great experience and they start creating more and then they feel like their work is well received and they get better at it over time. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's gotta be unique to scent, right? Like, 
it's amazing that it, it feels unique, unique descent. I definitely think it is. And it does have to do, it goes back to the, the economics, the money that's involved here and like people having skin in the game, feeling like they're invested in the project because they literally are investing money in the project. And then since there is money at stake, it just, I mean, like in the real world, IRL, when there's money, <laughs> like when you have a job, like you act a fundamentally different way than you do when, when you're like in the deep, dark well, shadows of I've night or something. Wrong with all these startups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, there's definitely like layers to what's going on over here. And it's something that I've thought about a ton as well of, of why this sort of experiment works. And it, it's starting to transcend scent too. And you start to see it in like what people are referring to as the metaverse, which I like to just define as like the, the total sum of these persistent digital connections that people are establishing. And it can be on like a blockchain based network, like scent or a blockchain based VR project, or even in like discords or Twitter, right? Things that like our relationships are, are basically purely digital with one another. Like a lot of people don't know who the other person is in real life, but they have these digital connections that they maintain with like uh, maybe a similar name or they just link across these other digital accounts and they're persistent. Like they're not going away. They can come back in, they drop in whenever they want. Uh, they post daily, like they're building out these, these digital uh, selves, right? And the economic layer that crypto provisions that run through all of these digital connections because it is digital or internet money, like that is kind of what is emerging and scent is like one of the best examples of that and one of the earliest examples of that actually happening and showing how like it changes the way that people are acting when that money can be connected with stuff like that. It's, I freaking love talking about this. We need a beer, man. (laughs) We do, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, we could get super lost in the weeds here. Uh, So getting towards uh, something that we talked about before we actually started recording. And I think you mentioned at the the top of the show was this idea of how you can start tokenizing writing and that's being informed by a collaboration by other sentients. I think easy and crypto. I don't use a pick and puffin you mentioned. So like, yeah. is there any more depth to the idea of like tokenized writing? Like maybe we can talk about like the implications of what that means for writers and how that could potentially be a better path forward than like writing a post on medium or something, for example. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Just yes to all of that. <laughs> um, to, so, so the idea is that, that what we could do with the Ethereum smart contracts and with NFTs is we could, we could produce a magazine and we could distribute that magazine as an NFT. Um, I think we would do limited print runs for, for 30 days. So the June issue is, is live somewhere and people can pay a certain amount of, you know, crypto. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's an auction based thing or something uh, to, to get a hold of one of these magazines. Um, and, and during that time, they have restricted access to a website that contains the contents of the full issue. And, and so there, there could be um, tokenized music, there could be tokenized writings, 
um, there could be tokenized art. I, I hope at some point that we end up able to do a collaboration between all three types of artists. And then we create, you know, a thing to look at, a thing to read and a thing to listen to while you do. Um, and, and that takes the form of sort of the centerpiece, um, the cover art, if you will, for the magazine for that week. And we have maybe a limited number of owners there. Um, but then this magazine also publishes dig digital art. Um, it could publish music and it could publish writing as well. Um, so we could have um, sort of this whole smorgasbord of content that becomes available uh, to people on sort of an early basis for, you know, uh, buying the cover art and supporting the magazine. And, and then, you know, the entire world would, would have access to it um, maybe starting the next month. And so, so you would end up with a variety of different incentives. Um, and obviously, you know, everything would have to be very well directed towards sort of the crypto community. Um, and obviously we're not anywhere near being done with the, the concept or being, you know, completely uh, ready to go with an issue or anything. Uh, but I, I think we're all going to be reaching out to different people um, at Scent, at Medium, at some other places. And, and what we're going to try to do, I think, is come up with uh, sort of some proto issues um, that maybe we'll just run at Medium and Scent or something like that um, to kind of put some different, to juxtapose some different creators and some different creations. And, and then from there, basically, the idea is going to be to uh, to, to kind of kind of snowball it a little bit. And, and then once it gets big enough, we'll just, just start tokenizing and, and just figure out what works. Lean startup all the way. <laughs> totally. And well, I mean, we covered a lot of grounds so far. I mean, I think we can keep talking all day, but <laughs> before we go, I just want to make sure that um, we talked about everything. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, and then if not, I would love to give you the opportunity to plug all the channels that people should be following you at. I know you were promoted on Medium the other day. Shout out from Andrew CM about your article, Seriousness is a Problem, or your essay rather. Uh, he really loved that. I thought it was great as well. But like outside of Medium and Scent, like where should folks be paying attention to you? Where should they be following you? Well, outside of Medium and Scent, I, I don't have too much of uh, I mean, I have like a Facebook page that just kind of retweets things. Um, and, and then I have, uh, obviously some kind of professional philosophy type stuff. Um, so, so I've got a new article about, um, the Albert Camus text, um, the plague, uh, that's going to be running in the June or July issue of, uh, philosophy now magazine that people can scope out if they want to. Um, personally, I think it's uh, a pretty solid essay. Like we started with a great book, um, and then basically my job was to kind of explain what that book says and tie it into uh, current events with the plague we've got going on. And then the, the editors at Philosophy Now just did a phenomenal job. I think I think the finished product is one of the best things that I've done so far. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, you can go to Amazon. I have an author page, Thomas Dillon Daniel, and you can scope out any of my books there. And then Medium and Scent are kind of the big, creative outlets these days so uh that, that's that's my digital footprint mm -hmm. well it's been a pleasure 
to speak today, Dylan. Um, it really has. And I think we're going to talk a lot more as soon as we hit stop recording here. So <laughs> stay on, <laughs> stay on the line so we can keep digging in there. But I just want to thank you for your time and hopping on the scent spotlight and recording this with me. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Hey everybody, it's Matthew again, and I really hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Epic Dylan as much as I did recording it. A little bit of housekeeping. Of course, if you aren't already subscribed to the You Deserve a Drink podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen and recommend this conversation and episode to anyone whom you think would enjoy these sorts of conversations with creators. This week, make sure you keep an eye out for a classic throwback edition of the You Deserve a Drink podcast. Rizzo and I will be on and, and talking with one another about the series of awesome events that have unfolded in the past 10 or so months since we linked up and started doing the You Deserve a Drink podcast together. There's all the changes to Scent. There's the changes with, with Rizzo, where he started to work at NFT42, working on the Token Smart project. There is the work in progress VR meetups uh, that we started to collaborate on a few months back and has grown amazingly in the interim. There's a lot of stuff to cover. I'm really excited for that conversation. Make sure you look out for that. And for the Scent Spotlight, uh, next week and the week after, look out for conversations that I had with Richard F. Yates and a special asynchronous interview that I have compiled with the pixel artist, Lulu. XXX. Thank you and sent on.